Welcome everyone back to Mind Games with Garen Emig, a weekly production on the Sellout Crowd Network. I am Garen, columnist, podcaster for selloutcrowd.com. Thank you very much for tuning in. Going to talk about a story, not a, a subject, but a story um, that was written and posted on Sellout Crowd in the past week that is getting a lot of attention for very good reasons. It's it's a Sam Hutchins story on the time that Toby Keith coached an elementary football team in Norman to a dynasty. And it was real and it was really quite beautiful as most youth sports stories are. Sam did a terrific job with it and you're gonna love his recollection of, of that piece and his detailing it for you. First of all, let's thank the sponsors of Mind Games, this show and others. Uh, Two Fellows Movers, Mid-First Bank, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, FireLakeJobs.com, Next Gen Roofing, 988 Oklahoma's Mental Health Lifeline, and your Oklahoma Ford dealers drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Sam, good to see you again, buddy. Garen, thanks for joining me. I, I love talking about this story. It's just so fascinating and a little absurd when, when you read the headline. It, it seems... Un, un, unreal, but it uh, is crazy how uh, talking to these folks who are now, you know, um, roofers in, in Tulsa or, you know, one guy builds pools, uh, uh, a banker in Houston, and all these guys played for Toby Keith. It's crazy. Played football for Toby Keith when they were at Roosevelt Elementary in Norman, correct? This is this is the genesis of your story about how Toby coached this uh, elementary school football team in Norman once upon a time. Yeah, I'll give you the nut graph. He he coached for five years in the Norman Optimist League, which is okay. um, just from from what folks told me who grew up there and played in it. It's just the local rec league in Norman. Um, there was about eight other coaches, so um, you know, third if you imagine thirty kids a, a team and nine teams in the league, and uh, yeah, just youth football that so many people in our country can relate to. But uh, a few of these guys, I I, th I heard it uh, funniest put like this. Someone said. I was in a, a job interview last month and I had the, the hands down best fun fact about yourself is he said, my youth football coach was Toby Keith and everyone's jaw dropped a little bit. So it's just a, a little bit of a crazy story that, that originated in Norman. Let's dig into it. Let's think about this. Um, show is called Mind Game. So we're going to think about Toby Keith and dimensions beyond his impact again on, on, on his music fans. It, it, it touches all sorts of, of folks in the state and in particular, Right. Sam reaches sports. Uh, his fandom for the Sooners, well documented. We had a lot of uh, material about that. Barry Trammell wrote a terrific column after his recent passing on the, on selloutcrowd.com. You can still see that. Eli Letterman covered an OU angle as well. What what you got into was his uh, sort I mean, if his if his heart and his passion was the Sooners, it, it didn't just stop there. Right. I mean, if it, it might have started there, but it certainly trickled down into uh into the ranks of of kids and this is the case with the mud dogs where he didn't just lend like he didn't just give them shirts and uniforms didn't just they didn't just put his likeness on a on a jersey right this he wasn't like the sponsor of the uniforms he was the coach this was real that's right and the ultimate impetus for this is toby's son Steelen was on the team Mm -hmm. And uh, Steelen, of course, he he grew up in, in, in Norman, friends with a lot of uh, even OU connected people. Another kid on the team was Joe Castiglione Jr., the son of the OU athletic director. So it's kind of fascinating how those worlds intertwine. But yeah, Garen, Toby was he was not some token coach. And that's what yeah. all these guys, when I call them up 20 years later, that was one of the first things that they wanted to point out is 
Toby was drawing up plays. He he was the the originator of the wishbone offense that they ran. Um, they had one pass play, and it was pretty lethal, which, which we can get into. But yeah, Toby was running drills. He was the guy making the kids do up downs um, when, when they you know misbehaved as fifth graders do. He would he would he was the guy uh, running the drills, running Oklahoma drills, in charge of you know as much discipline as you can get into. And they said he was a kind coach. But um, kind is, uh, you know, just like all football coaches yeah. can be, you can be kind, but you can be stern too. So that's what Toby was. It sounds like if Toby spent a lot of time around OU football icons, coaching icons like Bob Stoops and Barry Switzer, it sounds like he did them proud. They, they won, right? That's right. The, I, I had a line <laughs> in the story. I said, you know, memories fade. A consensus is a, in, impossible about, uh, you know, players can't exactly remember. But what I gathered is most people believe the the Roosevelt Mud Dogs only lost one or two games in, in the five years that Toby coached. And uh, I got a, tr- I got a, a photo from uh, w- one of the players who has three little championship trophies to, to mm-hmm. prove just how much they won. But yeah, they were uh, they, they were fantastic. That's uh man, that's that that really is following up on if you're gonna do it, you, you, you this is what Stoops or Switzer tell him, right? You, you're doing it for time, interest, and and uh, and impact, but you might as well win <laughs> along to- the way. And that's that's the word dynasty in your headline. <laughs> that's right. It, it wasn't there in in vain, and they had they had kind of one advantage, Garen, over over everyone else. Um, I assume Toby, you know, could have pulled more strings, or from what I understand, the teams were compiled via a draft. So, uh, you know, it, it, it was a little muddled with friends. Uh-huh. We're still allowed to play with friends, you know, exactly. But it was kind of, you know, get, get together at the start of the year and draft kids. Um, but Toby didn't pull any strings really in that department. But the Mud Dogs did have one advantage, and that was Toby from his own personal uh, finances that I imagine some other coaches around the league didn't have. Toby <laughs> hired a film crew to come out and – Video every game, and this is back in the the DVD era. Video every game and put it on DVDs. So at the end of the season, the Mud Dogs, every player would get a, a package of DVDs from their games. That yeah. now they're treasured keepsakes and yeah. a, a very cool piece of you know personal history. But back then, Toby would have those guys watch the DVDs for film. And uh, a couple, one player told me. You know, people people accuse us of cheating because we were filming. But of course, there's nothing against the rules. You don't design rules with a coach in mind. You know, with the uh, affluence of Toby yeah. Keith to, to to bring out a film crew. But the Mud Dogs watched film. They they certainly did. Wow. Okay, you mentioned one in particular, one Mud Dog in particular, whose name is going to ring a little bit of a bell, right? Not just for Toby Keith fans, but but uh, college sports fans. That's Joe Joe C. Junior. Joe Castiglione Junior. What was do you, you remember his specific recollection of, of that yeah. experience? Josie, jo- Joe was great. He was the first mud dog I talked to. And uh-huh. um, my eyes lit up when, when Joe, you know, of course said, I said, Hey Joe, do, do you know any still teammates that, that I could talk to? And Joe said, yeah, we're, we're still really close. And um, so Joe had known a lot of the teammates, the mud dogs stayed in close contact. Mm-hmm. And something that Joe told me that sticks out in, in our, in my mind is, he said, and this quote made it in the story, he said something like, you know, on its face, it, it sounds a little absurd to say Toby Keith was my elementary school football coach. But if you actually knew Toby Keith, which Joe C. certainly did, he said, 
it's not absurd at all. It's actually, it makes a ton of sense mm-hmm. because he said, yeah. if you knew Toby, that's what he loved to do is just be around his son, be around football. It was kind of the perfect avenue for him. And uh, so he said, you know, it's, it's not absurd if you know Toby. And that was a sentiment kind of echoed among other people. They said, hey, if you grew up in Norman in, you know, the, the mid-2000s, 2004, 2008, yeah. that era, it wasn't crazy to say, hey, I met Toby Keith. I saw him at a restaurant yeah. or I saw him at right. a bar or something. He was a part of that community. So um, it, it sounds crazy from, from the outside to read that headline and stuff. But the, the, the true sentiment of it is Toby... He was just an evolved guy in, in the Norman community in a way that not a lot of mega stars are. I can vouch for that, Sam. I was raising uh, two elementary age kids of my own during the Mud Dogs Rise to Prominence. They, they went to Monroe, not Roosevelt, but, he, but even they heard a little bit about the exploits of, of the, uh, the Mud Dogs. It's not, not a big enough town that word doesn't get out, right, when Toby sure. Keith is building a youth football dynasty. So, yeah, I, I, can, I can vouch for that. Uh, how many players did you, you think you chatted for this? Six, six, seven, eight? I, I, mean, I think you were pretty deep, right? I think it was eight when it was all said and done. Eight. Yeah. Wow. And, they, and they're all, most of them are still around here? Or are we, are we talking everywhere? It was interesting. I think the, the furthest guy was in Arkansas, who mm-hmm. it's cool to see these connections, you know, like 20 years later. Like I said, I talked to these guys when they're seven years old or so, and now they're all 27. And, um, one, one guy, a guy named Mike Mayberry, he now works for a company that, that Toby Keith bought last year in Arkansas, Lucky Strike Lures. So mm. it was just cool to see how, um, you know, the, these connections kind of last years later. Uh, but yeah, they, the, the Mud Dogs, some of them are bankers in Houston. Well, I talked to one guy who builds custom pools in Tulsa, and, uh, but they all, they're, they're uh, joined by the fact that Toby Keith coached their team. All great youth coaches give the kids nicknames, right? They, they, they do two things. They give the kids nicknames. They take the kids to uh, Brahms for ice cream after the, after the game. Well, the, the mud dog spot, and this was, this was something on the cutting room floor. The mud dog spot was CeCe's. That's what they said. He, even, oh, even yeah, Toby. of course, with the game room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he, even Toby, he, he, he would go to CeCe's, and that was the, that was the spot. I, I'd say win or lose. It, they really didn't have you know, much losses to, to contend with, but that was, that was the mud dog spot with CeCe's. <laughs> See, now I'm picturing a couple of, couple of mud dogs with sad faces wandering over to the, to the adult table and asking Coach, Coach Toby, hey, man, I, I, the claw's not working. I, I'm, I'm not getting what I want with the claw at CeCe's. You got to help, man. You've got to come through for me. So he'll be getting a big, big smile on his face as he goes to work the claw at CeCe's for one of, right. one of, his, you know, sure. one of his mud dog linemen. <laughs> man, but okay, so, so that was the spot after, after games or after wins is, is in this case. Um, the nickname party took care of too, though. I, I, I saw that. There were there were those known not just by Mike, Steve, Bill, and Jim, but nicknames too. That's that was pretty sweet. Yeah, I thought the the funniest one. I I talked to um, a, a converted linebacker. He didn't start playing linebacker for Toby Keith, but a player told me he got bigger later. So when he started playing pee wee football, he was seventy pounds, but he wrestled. So Toby Keith told him, "Hey, we need a new middle linebacker. Go go get out there." So he was a 70-pound uh, kid playing against some kids who were over 100 pounds, but um, his nickname was uh, Kneecap Breaker. So that's what Toby called him, and I think K-Dog K was one. 
Um, so yeah, T- Toby, he had the nicknames that are uh, uh, in, in the pocket of every football coach. And you referenced this earlier, Sam, no surprise that the wishbone was a feature in terms of the, right, the mud dogs of football, this, this being Norman, this being Toby and uh, his direct connection to, to uh, Barry Switzer. That part didn't surprise me. The thing that, that jumped out in terms of strategy that blew me away was the, the, the mud. It wasn't Jalen Hurts and the Eagles who invented the tush push. It might have been the mud dogs. I guess. Yeah. They Is that said, right? Uh, <laughs> it was funny. One of the, the players, Mike Mayberry, actually, his uh, dad was a coach on the team, too. And he told me the, the mud dogs, they, they'd oftentimes draw some accusations or some ire for other teams. For, for pushing the envelope. Or sometimes they'd run a play that they knew was legal that maybe not even the refs knew was legal. Um, so, so Toby was always kind of on, wow. on the edge uh, pushing those rules. And he said, yeah, they, they wow. had a, a quarterback sneak play, which he likened to the, the tush push that the Eagles run. But the, the Mud Dogs were running that 20 years ago. He really was taking this seriously. Clearly, this was this was not this was not. Hey, you can. I'm going to give you the license to if you want a, a, a pump up song for for pregame calisthenics stretch. You can play uh, "Should Have Been a Cowboy" or something like that. I'm not going to charge you. Or uh, <laughs> yeah. this, was, this was a lot. This was a lot deeper than that, right? This was real time and energy. And it, and, it was just and awesome to learn. Yeah, it was awesome to learn how how involved he was and how much he treasured. You know, even those trophies <laughs> that that the Mud Dogs won and. Well, it's cool. Yeah. Something, something else that, that Joe told me, Joe, Joe Castiglione Jr., he said, mm-hmm. you know, because um, he stayed tight with Toby, of course, being OU yeah. linked. And he said, man, e- even years later, you know, of course, w- when I'm talking with Toby, like you bring up the mud dogs. We, we love talking about the mud dogs together. And Joe said he, uh, there were players that he'd long forgotten that Toby Keith could recall like that. He just man. knew his roster. He knew his yeah. boys and he knew those nicknames. So that, that was cool to see that. Even years later, Toby, he, uh, he thought about the Mud Dogs. And that's something anyone, again, who's ever invested any time in a youth sports team, no matter the sport, no matter the gender, no matter the location, it stays with you. It, it really, I mean, trust me, I, I did it with, again, my kids in, in Norman. Not, again, not football, not, uh, not in Toby's league, but it, you do remember everybody and everything. And the thing that's great, Sam, is that there, will, there comes a time later where you discover that the impact was twofold. It wasn't just the things you remember about them. It's the things that they remember about you. And I loved the passage of your story where some of the mud dogs popped in on Toby at an event, right? And and sort of took it over because of how glad the coach was to see his players again. That was running back Trace McGee who told me that story. Trace was the last player I talked to, and I'm so glad I did. Um, something that one time Eli Letterman told me, a sellout crowd colleague who's also a friend, he said, hey, it always pays off to make that last phone call. This was certainly the case here because Trace told me a cool story about, yeah, he was at a, a benefits night. Toby was hosting one in Norman. And he said, you know, as with benefits night where Toby Keith is the star, big names are, are, are milling around and it's uh, it's a fancy deal. But Trace said, yeah, me and a couple other mud dogs we decided to pop in. We wanted to say hi to Toby. And he said, as soon as we got to Toby, Toby kind of shut the night down. Like he, he didn't cancel the, the party or anything, but Toby said, you guys are with me. And they hung out the rest of the night with Toby Keith. So yeah, it's, um, it, it's a team, like you said, Garen, 
it's a team that sure they they won their trophies in 2005 mm-hmm. but years later it's a team that that toby and, and certainly those boys treasure yeah and again when 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 everyone when we lost toby um a week ago and everyone thought about the impact uh it, it was again a reflex to the the musical talent that he lent songs that people are going to listen to the rest of their lives the second thing you're going to think of is um specific to norman and ou watching him on the you see him on the sidelines at an ou texas game at the cotton bowl right or you see the old chair that he had beneath um the basket at lloyd noble center for for basketball games but it 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 really does go uh, beyond that. Your story is an example for Norman. And what's cool is that the work that your your twin brother Ben did with regard to another piece on the night that Toby took over Eskimo Joe's right after a Bedlam basketball game with, with Barry Switzer showed That's that this, right. this, this, this wasn't just limited to the influence and the impact on OU. This was sort of a, this was a statewide uh, thing and a, and if the, if it wasn't exactly a love affair in Stillwater, it, it could be one if he showed up on any given night after a, a Bedlam game. Yeah, it, it is fascinating. And you're right, Garen, Ben wrote a great story, um, I, I think, the, 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 the day or two after we lost Toby and um, kind of recaptured that moment for, for Stillwater fans. I, I was a student at the time there, and I, uh, I, I remember that night. It, it was crazy where... It, words started to filter out. Yeah, you know, Toby Keith in Stillwater. And I think Toby Keith has kind of an odd relationship with Oklahoma State because, yes, he's an ardent fan of OSU's arch rival, but he also pinned and sang the kind of anthem of Oklahoma State, should have been a cowboy that they play <laughs> after Bedlam. So Toby Keith is associated with good things there. And also, there's just a ton of country music fans, Toby yeah. Keith fans at Oklahoma State. So it's fascinating. But yeah, he he was he went to I think it was Outlaws is is the bar. I'm I'm not an expert on on, on the strip there, but uh yeah, Keith and, and Switzer, even in Stillwater, they were they were beloved and, and could have a good time, which I think shows um what what he did for this state. You know, we, we see that yep. water tower. We we drive by it all the time, home of Toby Keith and one of those deals that kind of makes me a little more proud to be in Oklahoma, <laughs> I think. Well, it's perspective, isn't it? You see the water tower if you if you motor up and down thirty five, and I, I know I've seen it a thousand times in my life. And you think, oh, okay, that's kind of cool, but you take it for granted, just like you take it for granted when you see him at Lloyd Noble the hundreds of times that I did. Well, that's just what he does, right? I mean, it's just that's 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 sort of the fabric of life when it comes to living in Norman and going to you know OU games. Um, you hear his music. You even see a red solo cup, <laughs> and you think, well, yeah, that's Toby Keith, but it really hits. Uh, after after the, someone passes and you are left with not just like a, a, a water tower or a symbol or, or the lyrics to a song, but impact. And that's exactly what your story covered. Uh, really beautifully done, Sam. You should be proud of it. And uh, I would encourage anyone who hasn't read it yet to check it out on our uh, selloutcrowd.com site. I would encourage anyone who hasn't read your brother Ben's story to read about the night that Toby sang should have been a cowboy at Eskimo Joe's. And then I think did a little karaoke across the street at Georgia Stables. I think that was, think that was right, part yeah. of your, your brother's story. Um, Barry's column uh, was terrific, encapsulated again, Toby's uh, love affair with the Sooners. And then uh, there's Bob Stoops, who is closer to, to Toby than any of the rest of the staff at Sellout put together. Um, Bob had a touching episode of conversations with Coach recently where he, he remembered some of the 
fondest times and, and moments he shared with Toby Keith that, again, goes a lot deeper than just standing on the sideline at Bedlam or the Texas game or in Miami at the Orange Bowl. It's it's really good stuff and uh, something that everyone ought to take time and, and, and have imprinted because whether you, it doesn't matter what you thought of Toby Keith's music or anything else, impact is still a very, very big deal. That's universal. And uh, that's, that was the case with, uh, with this, this icon. So good work, Sam. Thank you very much for coming on and talking to me about it, man. This was fun, Garrett. Thanks so much. That'll do it for this episode of Mind Games. A special thanks to producer Jacqueline Musgrove and creative director Michael Lane for their help with this episode and others. I'll be back soon with another show. Please, until then, stay warm and stay safe and enjoy your day. <laughs>